male patients uh, hot topic we've had lots of people uh, ask questions about it i think it is a tricky topic because we we i'm sure it's the same where you are but we're heavily female dominated is still i think internationally about 90% female 10% male which means when you first start out in aesthetics you're you're 100% female and then you you gradually start to get men in in the the in between phase and it's and it's a little bit daunting for for many people because they are different and i and i am it's worth it's worth being clear that i'm i'm picturing a not oh, yeah i'm picturing very masculine um heterosexual men who want who are kind of like or if you if you want to create a stereotype we would call them blokes like straightforward no nonsense blokes because i i think that's probably the rarest type who come and see us and they are different and it took me a while to figure it out so I, i'd be grateful and obviously we are men ourselves so we've got those insights but it would be good to share with our largely female audience actually and uh, and hopefully we can make it better for them when they first see a patient so have you noticed a difference with how they present to you yeah they're a little bit more straightforward um they know exactly what they want and if they're coming in it's for something specific um and they also i mean everyone loves attention to detail but whenever i'm dealing with men uh i'm really taking out a lot of my measurement tools and these actually really help me they really appreciate it and that's something that they extremely feel comforted with so for me i do uh, you know we do a detailed uh, analysis of the face but with these instruments you know i'm i'm giving them a lot of reassurance prior to ensure that i'm not going to overinflate them they're not going to look puffy and they're not going to look feminized and i take my time with them giving them certain measurements to ensure and make sure that they understand what's going to happen i will not start until they have a full clear idea of what our plan is and and i find that men like you said blokes are just uh you know men who want to look stay looking masculine they really appreciate that one of the most common questions we seem to get is the difference in toxin doses between men and women how do you what what do you find the difference is start yeah. let's break it down by area with glabella forehead crow's feet and so forehead absolutely almost let's say the upper face you know probably uh one and a half times usually what you're going to use and it's usually because the muscles are stronger right so um i just basically you know have them raise their eyebrows and if you can tell those are thick muscles and they have you know six bumps there you're going to need a lot of toxin and uh for me especially um uh, i i don't have that thick of a muscle but i uh, use a lot of expression i need a lot of toxin i need at least 20 units of just my frontalis in order to help calm it down and do soon there but you can tell even with that there's enough movement I don't have a strong glabella which is unusual for a man most men who come see me they usually need 30 units and I'm always hesitant placing that much because I'm afraid that it's going to spread so I usually have to do it in two tries um the and then for the crows depends for myself I need a lot I probably need uh I have a little bit of an eyelid that tends to droop a little bit so I tend to do the tail so let's say if I'm including the tail I'll need a good 20 units per side So um so doses next let's let's work our way down the face in terms of how you approach forehead cheek um chin and jawline what how i mean i would imagine my impression of men is that they are more focused and it's harder to be more holistic so as in they're quite set if they want a problem solved and even with a great consultation there's a smaller percentage who end up having a you know a full face but the, but they do um what what's your experience with foreheads is that something that people are receptive to Well, with foreheads actually one thing that men 
are, are starting to see me a little bit more for is that indentation that's here in the forehead. And uh, I can fill that with a cannula. I've recently switched to cannula. It is a higher risk place to inject and we go f through all the risks, but it does make a, d uh, a difference if you're, if you're seeing someone who's, um, who's confident uh, and knowledgeable of treating that area. It does a nice job smoothing that out. It just, it, you know, that frontal bossing that some people end up having uh, or the right above the corrugators, sometimes there's a, that bone that's a little bit more projected. And um, I've had clients come and see me and they said, I went to this one guy and, you know, I'm never going there again because he scared me. He had these big bones coming out of his head and I started noticing I had it. I'm like, well, that's the first thing I'm doing. So I started, <laughs> I filled that up right away. Uh, but it's some, it's weird, right? It's all these little things that men, women also get it, but in the forehead, that's something that can also help whenever I treat that, it helps those stubborn lower lines. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good way of getting lines you, uh, to, that you might cause a, a drop with, with toxin. Um, the, 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 other, the inverse of that, though, is that's quite a masculine feature. So if you, if you, you can, in theory, overdo it and hide the brow and, and slightly feminize someone. So that's just an interesting thing to think about. But I know, like everything, it, we're always trying to get that balance of soften it, harmonize it, but don't remove it completely. Um, I, I'm going to be one of those who needs, I haven't, haven't done anything yet, but, uh, this is great flattering light. You can't see it, but I have <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, not, not bothering me too much yet, but it's one of those areas that you notice and start to think about. Um, so you, you, you talked about eyes as well. I mean, let's, let's switch actually to the other thing, which, cause I think I'm saw in one of your videos, an interesting idea about actually pro projecting the periorbital ridge and, and making that more dominant. Tell us a bit about that. So with here, a lot of times, um, whenever we're doing the eyebrow, the tail of the eyebrow tends to flatten out. You lose a little bit of volume here. Sometimes men will have a pretty strong bony prominence and then that either goes away or it just opens up. And as a result, the eyebrow tends to just kind of like involute or fall in. So what I'll try and do is I ask them to usually bring in a picture uh, when they were younger and it just kind of gives me an idea of what that eyebrow looks like if they don't have it I'll work with it but if they do then I'm trying to imagine basically most of the time whenever they bring it in there's more projection here they usually have a little bit more fat pad or it's a bone I'm not sure it's likely a fat pad but therefore I'm confident to recreate that and even with recreation if it's a little bit projected I can fan some product behind it to make a smooth transition out and they love it and it does a great job. And to be honest, the best outcome that I get, if someone's really on board for having this treatment and maintaining it, I actually do um, six units of toxin to each lateral eyebrow two weeks prior, I have them come back. So it's in its most up natural position. And then I'll go ahead and do the filler and I'll just encourage them to say, by the way, you need to upkeep this, see me every three months and we'll, uh, we'll touch that up. And it looks great. Is, it, is the bulk of that product, are you kind of underneath the whole eyebrow or are you mainly focused on the lateral kind of okay, third so or lateral half? That's a great question. I actually have a, um, a sister clinic in Toronto and in Toronto, most of my clients there are Asian and they, they, they see me for this all the time. They want mm -hmm. basically more protrusion right from the tip of the medial eyebrow all the way lateral. So I'll go with the cannula and because if you understand that the notch, you know, it's, it's a scary place to be for a lot of people whenever they first start, you do have to be knowledgeable, but that notch there is really deep. So as long as you're kind of staying, you know, rather superficial, you don't have to be too superficial, but you're going with a cannula, 
and continuously making that motion, you can get a really nice result here. And um, yeah, Asian population, they, they really want it all the way from the front to the back with um, Caucasian uh, population uh, and also uh, black men who come to see me. I usually end up treating from the mid brow laterally, not forward. So um, next, so we've done, let's talk about cheeks then next. How do you, what, what do you think about, how do you ever, do you have men asking for cheeks? Like, can I have fuller cheeks or is it, is it, how do they present in that area? Consultation driven? So it's pretty rare for a guy to come to see me and ask for cheeks. But mm. whenever I'm doing the evaluation, whenever I come down to the cheek, I just look at where's the apex, where should it be? Is there loss of volume there? And then I automatically always, you know, I'm drawn medially because I almost always see some loss of volume here. And, mm. and I know right away if I just end up placing some volume into the mid cheek and I tie it to the apex, it's not only going to uh, just keep them looking refreshed, but it's, it, they're going to look like they're five years younger uh, in 20 minutes. It definitely wakes them up. It'll look like they just want a vacation. And it's something that it's also, and that's again, the importance of doing a full face evaluation, because whenever men come to see me, they're like, what do you think? If I just look at them quickly, I say, oh, you look great. I don't think you really need anything. When you're doing the detailed evaluation, like, oh, you know, if I really want to be picky, we can do a little drop here. And it's not going to make that much a difference, but it's going to save you maybe a year or two from now, and you'll appreciate it then, and no one will really notice. So these little details in the mid-cheek are something that I would recommend when I'm doing that full face assessment. And, uh, and it's usually me that brings it up, and we do it very conservatively. The only yeah. time that I've had a guy come to see me, uh, I've had one guy come to see me for his mid-cheek, but he was extremely fit. He was very fit. This guy trained seven days a week, uh, you know, probably five to seven percent body fat, and he just had very sunken mid cheeks here. And he just said, you know, I was wondering if you can fix that without me looking like a chipmunk. And absolutely, we did take a conservative, use a three millimeter approach rule, use a cannula, and it looked fantastic. So, what I picked up from one of your videos as well is that this male cheek is much more about anterior projection rather than lateral projection. Yeah, absolutely. So I, this tool here, this is my golden means caliper. And I, you know, some people think it's fluff. To be honest, it keeps me in check. Clients love it because it ensures them that whenever I'm done, I'm, I'm doing multiple measurements and I'm ne they're never going to be overfilled. And reassuring a client with that is just kind of a breath of fresh air for them. And I mark out exactly the difference between, um, you know, the apex of a cheek for someone who wants to have a feminized cheek versus masculine. Feminized is going to be more lateral, tail of the eyebrow, drop it, upper ala of the nose to, uh, to the upper tragus, and it's here. Use this to kind of, you know, measure it. But men's are going to be more medial. Like even if you're looking at my apex of the cheek, it's right here, right? It's not up here. So mm -hmm. the way I do that is uh, I just basically take a line from the lateral portion of the mouth to the lower tragus. Then I take a little triangle from the lateral aspect of the pupil. And then after that, I make that, I connect the triangle and I bisect it. Once I bisect it, I go up to about the one third aspect and I use my golden re means ratio to confirm it there. And I will be around. So this is kind of a slight misconception that I want people to know. Whenever I'm making these measurements, Let's say if my 
apex was around here. Well, my apex isn't here. My apex is actually right here. So that means I have to look at the natural anatomy of the client and I want to respect that. I don't want to drop his cheek all the way down here because that filler is not going to stay there and it's just going to, you know, look funny eventually. It may look good right now, but I, I still want it to look good six months, nine months from now. So I respect the natural anatomy. If my apex gives me a point right here, but I know that the, the hover or the maximum point of the reflex of that bone is right here, I'm just going to move it up a little bit and that's where I'm going to be. So these ideas are generalizations of, of more guidance towards where I think this should be. I use my aesthetic eye and at the same time reference points. And I know for absolutely, I'm going to stay anterior. And I know a lot of people end up doing the, uh, the cheekbone laterally as well for men. I don't. I find that I keep it more medial. And the only time that I'm doing any projection for the face is going to be down here if I feel they've lost master projection, but I don't ever usually do any cheekbone laterally for men. So uh, cheeks, uh, what about lips? So another very popular question was, what do you do with male lips without feminizing? What's your approach to the, to, it sounds more like restoration, but it could be augmentation, but without making a feminine lip. So whenever I'm doing men, if I want to keep them looking masculine, I kind of, the only difference that I do is I try and kind of almost make it look a little more square, which sounds odd, but the lower lip, especially whenever you're doing the pillows, um, I try and keep my pillows closer for whenever I'm doing a, a feminine lip. And if I want to masculinize, I'm not going to have heavy pillows. First of all, they're going to be a little flatter and they'll be a little wider. Um, so again, it's just kind of a little wider than a feminine lip. And I, that's, I guess if you want to kind of, you know, picture that, I'm going to come up close here. And basically, right here, this is ideally where I make, if I was going to use a needle, I'd make my entrance point a little closer. And if I was going to do the entrance point with a masculine lip, I'd go a little wider. And if I did that, if I went a little wider with, um, a, let's say, a feminine client, I wouldn't, I, they, I've yet to have anyone complain about it, but... I don't personally like it. I find it makes the lip a little bit more masculine because it kind of squares it off. Mm. Um, more recently now, I'm doing almost all my lips with cannulas these days, and uh, it works great. The only thing that I, I try and do whenever I'm looking for a more masculine lip is hydration. I don't really change much. It's just more hydration. I'm definitely not arching any Cupid's bow. I just want to keep it natural, keep it hydrated, and that's about it. If there is a guy who comes in and they're looking for something more than that, then clearly it's because they, you know, they want to look, they want to have more feminine, more dramatic lips. But for a more masculine yeah. lip, keep it, you know, natural, and uh, you're just trying to rehydrate the lip more than anything. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Basically, less is more. Um, I, I do think there's something. I, I sometimes think about, or at least explain, how the lip should fit in with the chin. So you can see it on mine, it's straight at the bottom and straight at the top. And then those angles, they, they sometimes meet. You can, it's what you're saying about it being wider. So it's because your chin is wider, and, and they kind of work better together. And, and it's also why, if you do it to a female, what, what you're picking up with your aesthetic eye is it no longer fits the face if those angles are now, if you follow the filtrum down, they're pointing somewhere over here instead of to the angle of the chin. It actually all fits really, really nicely together. In, obviously, people don't always fit the ratios perfectly, but that's what you're aiming for. And, and I, that's why I think it makes perfect sense that that wider lower lip and, and not making too much height. But once again, most men who are asking for lip treatments, not most, but you should, you should consider that they actually want some feminization. And then, then it's a lot closer 
to what you might do with a female, but you're still respecting their existing proportions. That's right. So I think we agree on that. Um, so I think a lot of what confuses people with male and female treatments is, is actually where you, where you don't actually treat that heavily. So lips and cheeks, you don't actually treat them as heavily. You're not trying to create all those shapes. So it's actually easier once you give up trying to impose a female style treatment onto a masculine face. But that's not the case with chin and jawline because that's really, I sometimes think, think of them as the cheeks of, 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 of what they are for men, what cheeks are for women in terms of male beauty. So, t so tell us a bit about your approach to, this, this sounds like from what you said, one of the main things that your clients are asking for, masculinization of the chin jawline. Yeah, I mean, there's a protractor that I use again, and the protractor, whenever I'm, it's tough to do it myself here, but basically what I do is I place this on the, the jawline, and this idea just lets me know that you can drop really a jawline for men pretty low. You can almost go 90 degrees, and it's still going to look good. So you've got a lot of play here. Um, so it, let's say if someone has a very acute angled jaw, and I want to drop that, you can drop that. I would be careful with how much filler you're using and the type of filler. If you're going to be using a lot of HA and you're going to be placing like, I don't know, six syringes here, you got to be careful because potentially in a year or two from now, it's going to look like a big water bag. Filler here can help, but I'm more or less, I'm switching over to a lot more radius when I'm doing the jawline here. And also with a blend of, um, not blending it together, but I'll go in separately with radius. And then after that, I'll go in with maybe a stiff HA. And what that'll do is give me the best of both worlds. I'm not worried too, too much of having uh, a water bag approach. I can still get that sharp definition. And at the same time, um, I can get the projection I need and I can still mold it. So it's a, it's a really nice, way for me to recreate a jawline i also don't need as much filler whenever i'm using radius so but again it's uh it's something that i think a little more advanced clinicians might want to start using because it's not really reversible in theory you can kind of like flood it with a bunch of saline but still it's going to be there so you just want to make sure that you've got a few like you know a consistent amount of jaw lines in your pocket where you feel confident that you can do that and then you can go ahead and use it the difference for the jawline here, whenever I'm doing, let's say, masculine jawline and a feminine jawline, is the feminine jawline, I don't want the projection. I will place that filler where the gonial angle is behind and below, and I'm going to hug it to try and make sure it stays around here to catch usually a small jowl that's here. Mm -hmm. With a masculine jawline, what I'm trying to do is I'm looking at the zygoma, and I want that jawline to reach that zygoma if I can. A lot of times, I'm men have a little bit of weaker chin I'll just take a straight angle and straight edge and I'll say hey by the way this is where you know ideally the projection should be uh, if we want we can you know get as close as we need them you know sometimes we're gonna need a little bit more filler but it gives them realistic expectations now remember whenever I'm doing the jawline I'm not only doing the bone itself the mandible and itself in the gonial angle I'm actually fanning the product on top of the masseter muscle in order to give the illusion that they have a stronger masseter because when you work out, when you go to the gym, that kind of like athletic look is a stronger masseter here. So I'm also entail, uh, encouraging that uh, fanning of the product and it ties it in really nicely. Yeah, that's a really good tip around the jawline because I think it's one of those things that rookie, the rookie mistake, which is you know the injection techniques, but you're, you get the aesthetics right from looking from one angle on the bed and as soon as you see the before and afters, you see it's wider over here. and. <laughs> 
you know, it's a it's a, something you don't, once you spot it, you get very, very careful about not doing the same again with, with female patients. So now let's move on to chins. Um, what, what do you, do you, do you, do you tend to treat them in isolation or they, you're usually part of a, a full face package and, and how would you approach them? Yeah. Chins are always interesting, right? Because, um, you have, you got to feel their chin. Sometimes you're going to get a chin that's really stiff. Like the muscles almost, you know, there's not much there. It's like right next to the bone. It doesn't move much. And you know, there's going to be a lot of resistance whenever you place your filler here. So, and when they're talking, usually when that happens, I notice that there's a lot of dimpling going on. So if that's the case, I know they've got a very strong and active chin and I'll tell them, listen, we need to do your chin as well. But I have a feeling if I end up placing filler here, it's just going to flatten right out and you're going to hate it. It's going to be really sore because that muscle is going to be fighting it. So I tend to place some toxin there first. Again, something that I do like with the tail, the eyebrow, I'll say, listen, come back in a couple of weeks. We'll place toxin. It'll relax it. And then I'll be able to have more play with less filler and then I can massage and mold what I need to. Cannula is it's a really good tip um, because I, I just the other day I did a uh, I did a live show and for whatever reason the, the model had quite a lot of tone there and it was it was really different injecting and obviously I was on stage already but if I had assessed her <laughs> before if for that particular thing it might have made it a lot easier so it's that's a really good tip I've learned something um, just because it would have been easier to sculpt it because then you're only controlling one variable instead of trying to fight the muscle. That's right. And I've had clients that come to me and they said, listen, I have my chin done in another place and it's still really flat. And they just put a ray in the middle and I'm looking at their chin. And you can tell like this chin is going to fight this filler. So that's a great way to do it. Now, the technique that I use for the most part for the chin, I still use a needle. I mean, I like the cannula. If someone comes in and they have a really nice loose chin and I think that I can get some projection easily with cannula, I'm going to use a cannula. Um, but whenever I'm really looking to either make uh, a chin a little bit more narrower or wider, and I'm trying to kind of have a little bit more precision, needle for the chin is a little bit better for me. Um, but again, we're talking masculinization right here, right? So if I wanted to really, even if I placed a bolus of filler into each pocket right here, and it ended up kind of just going back with the least passive resistance because of the cannula, it's not going to make that much of a difference. And to be honest, it's going to look just as nice. Um, so I'm still, I'm 50-50 basically what I'm trying to say is that whenever I'm doing the chin, if I'm going to be using a needle or a cannula. But that chin scares me with that, uh, the, the uh, mental artery that comes up here. I don't know the depth. Sometimes it's deep, sometimes it's superficial. And I, have, I saw that, I think you have the Clarius ultrasound machine. I have one here. And definitely anytime I'm doing the chin, if I, if I feel like I need a, a, a needle approach, I'm taking out that ultrasound. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those, since having it, um, there are more times when you, when in the past I would have just injected and now I'm giving it a scan because, and, and it's a, you know, I, we've done a couple of videos on it. I know Miranda's got a, her artery is right where it's not supposed to be. Uh, although apparently a third, uh, I saw someone, I can't remember who it was on social media, saying a third of their patients had a, an artery there. So it, it, it is one of those things, once you can see, you don't want to not be able to see. So uh, I think we'll have more of those scanners. <laughs> so, um, now to, to, to top it up again, like remember, whenever I'm looking at the chin, for me, I'm just looking at the mouth, the width of the mouth, which is usually, you know, if you're doing the intracantal distance of the eye, that's your one. And then the width of the mouth is usually 1.618 and that's my measurement. Like I'll actually put two lines right here. I'll put a line in the midpoint and I want to make sure whatever I'm doing my boluses, they're going to stay in each of those pockets. 
and that's how I stay precise whenever I'm doing a, a masculine chin for anyone out there who wants to know. Thank you. That was, um, I mean, you, you really have fantastic holistic um, interview. We've covered so much. Uh, I don't think. Great. It's been over now. It's been an hour and 10 minutes. This is amazing. Yeah. And yeah, great. Hundreds of people on staying on. So um, I, I highly recommend. Where, where else? Anywhere else? We should, we should keep monitoring you for content. Obviously, you've got your YouTube channel, Instagram. That probably yeah. covers it for most of us. YouTube, yeah. Instagram are the two main places. Um, I, I am on Facebook as well, but really, those are the two platforms that I use the most. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate everyone who's been here, and I appreciate you, Dr. Tim or Tim, I should say. And uh, this has been amazing. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure. Really, really good talking to you. And I'm sure we'll do it again sometime um, on some of the topic. Maybe I thought maybe we could do some stuff on YouTube because you can, it's easy to share images. Um, and then we can put them on Instagram as well, which is what we normally do. But we'll see where the wind takes us. But it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, yeah, thank you for, for all the stuff you put out so that I actually know who you are, which is obviously the key the key for most people. And, uh, and, and keep, keep sharing and keep teaching and uh, hopefully see you. Uh, Let's see play. you in reality one day. And if I'm ever in a conference okay. down there, then I'll, I'll stop by and say hi. Absolutely. That'd be great. Okay. Take care. Thank you very much, Dan. Bye-bye. Good night. Yeah.